Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Tampa Bay Rays gave Kevin Cash a contract extension. We'll talk about that. And who were the best college football coaches that were hired this season? What can we expect from Jameis Winston Sunday and beyond? And where does Drew Brees rank among the NFL's greatest quarterback? The guy we talk to that about and much more is no NFL cheerleader. Tom Jones of the Tampa Bay Times is going to join us in just a minute. But first, hey, has uh, swimming with the manatees been on your bucket list? Well, it should be. I've done this, and it is amazing. If so, seven days a week, you can do just that at Captain Mike's Swimming with the Manatees in Crystal River. It's the ultimate family bonding experience. Ask about their $30 manatee bronze tour and be sure to ask about their free offer for active law enforcement officers and U.S. military. Requires a purchase of two silver tickets at a regular price. After that, you're eligible for a free tour. Now through the end of October, you get to save 15% on the cost of kayak rentals. Captain Mike's has the nicest selection of kayak rentals in the area. Book now at swimmingwiththemanatees.com or call 352-571-1888. Okay, Tom Jones joins us now. And, Tom, um, this is kind of a Steve Versnick comment, but I'm going to repeat it anyway. So if I had told you at the end of the 2018 baseball season, Kevin Cash would have a big, fat extension and Joe Madden would not, (laughs) you would have said. (laughs) I would have said you're crazy. You don't know anything about (laughs) baseball. I mean, think about this. Like a there was when they were dumping everybody the race last off season when they were getting rid of Longoria and uh, and Dickerson and and Jake Odorizzi and everybody else that they were unloading it just looked like okay they're starting over it's another rebuilding project Kevin Cash is just a yes man he's just moving pieces around that they're telling him to move around and eventually when this team gets good again Kevin Cash isn't going to be here but then we looked at what he did this year Rick and I look I realize he probably doesn't have as much. Uh, autonomy as say Joe Madden has but clearly he was pushing all kinds of right buttons when it came to this opener stuff when it came to eventually uh, moving these younger guys like Jake Bowers and Willie Domus into the lineup and easing them into the major leagues and they win 90 games are you kidding me like this has been I think a, a I'm not supposed to reveal who I voted for because I had the the uh, manager of the year vote I'll just sure. say this though Kevin Cash was in my top three how could he not be um, mm-hmm. and it was just an amazing performance. Now, look, I think the Chicago Cubs are crazy to be talking about Joe Madden the way that they're talking about him, and I assume that they're bringing him back. But who knows for how much longer, and if they get off to a bad start next year, he's not going to be there. That's crazy. Let me ask you this question. Let me flip it around on this, Rick. If I were to ask, if I'm going to put you in Stu Sternberg's shoes right now, everything being equal, let's assume that you get along with everybody, that there were no problems behind the scenes with Joe Madden in terms of personality or relationships or anything like that. If I gave you the choice right now as Stu Sternberg or Eric, or, you know, any, anybody who's running the organization, Bloom, whatever, um, who's your manager, Joe Madden or Kevin Cash? For the Tampa Bay Rays right now, next season, 2019, I give you your choice. You can either have Cash or Madden. Who would you take? 
Well, okay. There's some. There's got to be some parameters here because I, this is with knowledge or no knowledge of the fact that he's already managed the Rays. Like if you're just right, starting right, right. from scratch, based on their current resume. I, look, I think Joe Madden's a better manager. I mean, if, if you're going to ask me which one is better, now you know there. I actually think that, uh, and I'm going to get to Cash here in a minute because he has he has more than exceeded my expectations, and I'll tell you why. But. I think that Madden is great for a team like the Rays that's got young players learning how to play in the major league level for the first time, that has a young core like we saw that they had back in 07, 08, and so forth, um, and, and with like he did with the Cubs when they had all these guys coming up and they were ascending young stars because he can take the pressure off of them in a failure sport. Um, you know, He really does deflect a lot of the attention to himself, uh, and I think in a good way. Uh, for for the players to perform, so I think he would be really really good. I still think Joe Madden is is a great manager. The chance he's going to make the Hall of Fame as a manager. Sure. So I'm not ever going to say you know Kevin Cash um, for what he's done, especially this year, remarkable, deserves the extension, all of that. And maybe one day we'll talk about Kevin Cash the way we talk about Joe Madden. But you're not going to get. You know, I don't think it's I don't, I don't think it's fair to Kevin Cash to try to compare the two. Probably right, because right. Cash has not achieved what what Madden has in terms of you know where are the where are the playoff uh, you know appearances where are sure. the playoff wins where's the World Series all of that I mean you know look what he did with the Chicago Cubs that hadn't been done in over a hundred years so you can't discount all that but I I know what you're saying and, and I will say this about Cash the thing the thing that should have been our first clue and and I didn't know if the tail was wagging the dog on this but I think it was a, a big thing for for Cash this year. He got his own coaching staff. And what I mean by that, you know, they promoted a bunch of guys from Durham. And, yet, and again, that might have been an organizational thing. You're going to take these guys. We're going to move them up, whatever. But he had his own pitching coach. You know, this was – he. Right, so right. many of those guys were, were really Joe Madden's – they were Joe Madden's coaches, let's face it. And they moved on, and you got guys like Kyle Snyder and uh, Charlie Montoya. I mean, whoever it was, Chad Matola is his hitting coach. Um Matt Quattrero, you know, all those guys that that then answered, you know, they worked for cash. I mean, he was he was the manager. He had his own staff. I think that's so important when you're managing anything to have guys that did not not that there's anything wrong with Jim Hickey or that he wasn't a good pitching coach, but they're you know, it, it's just different. I think it's different right. if they're your people, if you get to bring them in and they get to be part of your staff. And then the other thing is Cash had the right attitude about this year. Look, I this whole you know, I still think this whole opening thing was forced on him. I agree. Um, he embraced it. It became a bigger story than they intended it to be with all the injuries they had to the pitchers. But the thing I liked about Cash was, like, he knew, he, he knew exactly where the Rays sort of were situated. Like, he, he approached every day with, with a good attitude, with humor, um, you know, uh, but, but obviously knows the game and can manage very, very well. But it's hard. Like, imagine being told you're going to have five and six pitchers in, in most games, you know? Right. Um, I mean, that's that puts an awful lot of pressure on you. So for him to handle all those egos, and even though these were guys learning to play in the big leagues, I just think he did a terrific job with the wow, team. Wow, you just hit on it right there, Rick, because I talked to Kevin Cash midway through the season. We were talking about the openers and just how well the team was playing. And he said, well, you got to give credit to the players. There's a there's just tremendous buy-in by all the players. But you're mm-hmm. exactly right. Guys like you know Eric Neander, and Hein Bloom, and who, whoever else came up with this idea of openers and, and all this, went to Kevin Cash said, "This is what we're doing." 
And it was up to Kevin Cash to then sell it to the 25 guys mm. in their clubhouse. And, look, you had veterans. You had guys that have pitched in World Series, like Sergio Romo. Yeah. All of a sudden, like, you're telling them, like, hey, we're going to put you in a spot where you're not going to get a whole lot of glory. You may not get another paycheck down the line because of this. You know, just right. things that, that, that are hard to sell to players sometimes. That everybody, you know, look, I might pitch you in the first. I might pitch you in the sixth. I might pitch you in the ninth. I don't know. You're not going to get – 40 saves you're not going to get uh you know the the uh like i said the next contract because you're you've revived your career whatever as a closer and to to have everybody apparently it's it would seem buy in on it to the point where they go out and they win 90 games i think is and then also too to handle young kids you know jake bowers jake bowers comes up i was really impressed with the way he handled jake bowers to the point where you know jake bowers came up was playing really well for a while then went into a pretty pretty bad slump and apparently he had a conversation with Jake Bowers, like, hey, look, man, you're not you're our future. You're not coming out of the lineup. We're not gonna pull you. Like, don't you know, just just knowing how to handle guys like that. I, I'm I'm thoroughly impressed. And the fact that that they signed him to an extension, look, I, I think most race fans are on board with this too. I, I don't well, sure. you know, a year ago they weren't. I, I used to get the emails. Like Kevin Cash, he's out of his league. He's you know, he's not they're they're telling him what to do, he's a puppet. But now they're looking at him differently, and I think I think he deserves this extension. It's been a now, now here's the thing: though. expectations are go up now, Rick. Now, okay, oh, yeah. now it's okay. You won ninety. Now it's like all right, win ninety six, win ninety eight, get to the playoffs, win a series. Let's do something postseason wise. So you can't come back next year and and be happy with a, a you know a slightly better than five hundred record. Yeah, and I think that's a that's a big mountain to scale. I mean, I they obviously exceeded anyone's expectations. I think in a in an honest moment they tell you they exceeded theirs. But to think that the Yankees and the Red Sox are going away with the young core of talent that they those two teams have, um, it's not happening. And so you're gonna have to find a way to win ninety six, uh, or hope that they don't win a hundred. Um, because, you know, it's it's the same it's sort of the same dynamics. You have a better ball club, and you have guys that achieve ninety wins, and and you know, but but like you said, expectations changes the whole sure. the whole dynamic. So we'll see. Um, speaking of coaches, you wrote a column uh, in the Tampa Bay Times talking about college football, and you know, during the hiring and firing season, we all speculated on how all these guys would do. Now we don't have the whole picture. We're only five or six weeks into the college football season, um, but when you think about you know, Willie Taggart at Florida State, Dan Mullen uh, at the University of Florida, uh, Scott Frost you leaving UCF and going to Nebraska, Jimbo Fisher going to Texas A&M. I mean, it's a snapshot, but who's doing the best job right now? I think it's I think it's pretty obvious. Yeah, it's a no-brainer, right? Dan Mullen. I, I would say yeah. Dan Mullen for sure is the, is doing the best job. Now, the win at Mississippi State obviously was a really big deal going up there. And then this this past weekend, beating LSU. LSU was a good football team. That's your with your boy Ed Ogeron. Um, he, you know, they LSU had beaten Auburn, right? They had beaten Miami. That team looked sure. like they were certainly poised to to make a, a top five. Top, run or, top five. They were in the top they, five. I mean, they were yeah, right. fifth and, overall. Yeah, and I would totally expect them that yeah they're at some point going to run into Bam. I believe they're in that same yeah. division. So, um, but other than that, I thought, hey, you know, I think they get Georgia this week too. It would be interesting to see how LSU plays against Georgia. But the fact that Florida has has uh, quickly turned things around now. Here, there's a warning, and Matt Baker, our college football writer, points out very well. Hey, Jim McWayne got off to a great start too. And, That's true. 
after five or six games, we were looking at it and saying, hey, you know, maybe Jim McElwain's the guy, and he's finally going to be you know, the next Urban Meyer or whatever after the, the Will Muschamp um, regime yeah. didn't do so well. But I don't know. There's, there's a different feel about this, Rick. I, I like Dan Mullen. I think he was a really good coach. I think he did a lot with very little at Mississippi State, and, and I think he's starting to show it here. Um, some of the other guys, when you look at it, I, I'm not ready to get Willie Taggart. Boy, that was a gut punch loss last week against Miami. He wins that game, Rick. I think oh he gets everybody gosh. back on his side again because not yep. now you're you know because they're not. It's going to take a minute to turn this thing around. They they were in bad shape when he took over. I but boy, Rick, I still. I still feel like he's over his head. I don't. I don't know why I feel that way. It just seemed like the step from almost getting fired at USF like two years ago or whatever right. it was, or three years ago, to right. now head coach at Florida State seems like a too much too soon for me. Yeah, it's a steep climb, but I, I you know, you can look at it, and I think Florida State fans are probably upset about it as they could ever be because when you blow a twenty point lead, you know, in the second half, that's that's devastating, but. You know, they, they did manage to build it, which was surprising in and of itself. It might say more about Miami than it does about Florida State. I mean, maybe they're just a little bit overrated um, to get behind to that group. But, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's obvious to me now that Jimbo Fisher, speaking of another coach that left and that was hired at A&M, uh, didn't care much about his job for the last couple of years when he was there. Um, didn't seem I, I like just, it, no. Didn't seem like he left Willie a lot. So, I actually looked at that Miami game as a positive. I know FSU fan is probably seething right now, probably more than they were even before the game. But I looked at it as a positive because that's a that's a tough place to play. And and that was a football team that's won a lot of games in the last two years, and they're a little more established under Mark Richt. And um, they they handed it to them. They, they weren't able to finish the deal, and I think young teams have to learn how to do that. But um, I actually looked at that as a positive. Willie surprised me that they were that prepared to play. I thought they were going to get destroyed, and it was quite the opposite. You know, even though I go back to game. that Syracuse game, they were that was as bad a performance as I've ever, yes. I've ever seen from a Florida Agreed. State game. And you looked at that and you think he doesn't know how to coach. They don't know how to play offense. They don't know how to block. They don't know how to manage the clock. There's nothing about this program that looks like that they've ever practiced. That they've ever thought about <laughs> practicing. It looked right. like it was a total train wreck. And then. And and so I at that point I thought they're not going to win another game the rest of the season. And look, they may they may struggle, but you know they beat Louisville pretty good, and then they and I, and I know Louisville's down, but um, but then to hang in there with Miami. So I don't think it's it's quite as bad as as it looked after the Syracuse game, and and I actually think there's a little bit of hope there. What about Scott? If you're Scott Frost, though, I, oh. I still think Scott Frost made the right call. I still think you. I still think you'd rather be at Nebraska than UCF, even though UCF's undefeated. Nebraska's not. UCF, he did everything he could do at UCF, and he was never going to win a national championship at UCF. Uh, right. I, I still and think he made the right decision to go back to the Well, Nebraska. I mean, I think it was agonizing for him because I think he really did enjoy UCF, and I think he knew what they had coming back and that you know they could run the table again. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, look, I'm sure on the 15th and 30th of every month or whenever they pay these guys, he's probably very happy that he's at Nebraska right now. I mean, he's just, you know, you're at a different level. Now, Nebraska hasn't lost this many games to start a season, you know, ever since the 20s or whatever. I don't know. But so that part <laughs> yeah, is, right. is bad. He he clearly didn't know. I mean, maybe he did know what he was getting into in terms of talk about, you know, a lack of, of players, which is unfathomable because the whole state of Nebraska likes to play for Nebraska. Um, but you know, when you do get it rolling, when you do get it back your way, we've seen what Texas was able to do and, 
you know, they were down for a mm-hmm. long time. Charlie Strong was part of that rebuild, and now, you know, they had the big win over Oklahoma over the weekend. So They fired Texas, their defensive coordinator, Rick. They did. They, Oklahoma they did. gets run out. They get blown out. They fired their defensive coordinator. Yeah, but his name was <laughs> so why Bob the Bucks Stoops. Fire? So, you know, <laughs> why don't the Bucks me- fire their defensive coordinator? Well, I wrote a column about it. I know you did. I did. There's a lot of reasons. I mean, <laughs> I'm getting emails ripping you really? to me. Yes, really? I got one. I got one a little while ago. Like, what's Stroud smoking? That's what he said. Because they think, hey. Rick, that you fired you fired Mike Smith. That all the problems are solved. Fire Mike Smith. Yeah. Bring in whoever you know. Bring in the, the Wade Phillips or whatever. Right. And everything's going to be fixed overnight. I get it, though. I mean, look, if if there is a if there is a coach in the NFL a coordinator. Um, with a worse two year and a half, okay, in terms of just lack of production in the last year and a half, that's worse than Mike Smith. I don't know who he is, because every 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 figure would tell you that he needs to go, and and so I think you know fans want a pound of flesh, but what they don't realize is how things actually operate versus how you would just you know like change for change sake. And I tried to explain this the other night uh, on the podcast about how. You know, I remember when when Mark Dominique, Mark Dominic, <laughs> hired uh, as as uh, my friend used to call Akeem him. Keep to leave. Keep to leave. Mark Dominique didn't tell you that uh, when Scott. Mark Mark Dominic um, hired Jeff Jagosinski, who was the coach head coach of Boston College, right? And he was going to be Raheem Morris's offensive coordinator. You know, because they hired him and Jim Bates to be the defensive coordinator because apparently Raheem couldn't hire anybody. So they brought in Jagosinski, and he put in the offense, and they go through the OTAs in the offseason. They get to training camp, and they realize that Jagosinski has never called a play before, like in his life, or in, at least since you know he didn't do right. it at college. Now he had brought a running backs coach to do it for him. But the other things that were wrong was you know his his playbook wasn't voluminous enough for the NFL. It was more of a pamphlet than a phone book, <laughs> and there were all these problems. And he had some anxiety about trying to do it. They took him over to Raymond, Raymond James Stadium during a mock scrimmage with fans there and everything, and they thought, well, we'll put him in the press box to see if that helps him, and it didn't. So they fired the guy 10 days before the regular season opener. Yeah. Now imagine yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Well, they had Greg Olson, and I said, you know, okay, well, I even said to Greg, well, Greg, you've done this before. You've been a coordinator. This couldn't be too hard. He goes, it's impossible. I go, why? He goes, because it's not my offense. Yeah. I've had to learn all the terminology. We installed this throughout the OTAs, throughout training camp, the preseason, and I, you know, I'll have to take somebody else's offense the way somebody would have to take Mike Smith's defense, the terminology, the structure, all of that, and then call it their own way. You see what I mean? Yeah. It, it isn't as simple as saying, "Well, we got another guy to call it," you know, and everything's fixed. Because everything wouldn't be fixed. You still have the same players. You still have young players in the secondary. You still have injuries on the defensive line. Um, you know, you, you got all these same issues aren't aren't going away just because you fire one guy. And I think that's what Dirk Cutter was trying to get across. That look, at the end of the year, there'll be all lots of evidence, and you can make a change. But you know, you decided to stick with this guy, and really, they decided after the first year he was here, and Dirk went nine and seven. And, you know, he did some things, you know, number one on third down, uh, improved the turnovers, all that to, you know, a top ten Well, they level. went through that five-game stretch where you look back where they – you look back at the, the points they, they were great. up. They were yeah. great. The defense was really good those five yeah, games. Yeah, they were one of the top defenses in, in the NFL the last last few weeks. So that earned him, you know, the, the extension, and now everything's kind of gone to hell. But I think, um, you know, 
we'll see we'll see what the Bucks and them can do to uh, you know to try to rectify that situation. I'm curious to get your take, <clears throat> and we talked about this a little bit, uh, Steve and I, on the podcast. We watched Drew Brees become the all-time NFL's league <laughs> passer, which, by the way, no one's going to take that mantle from him for a while. Right. Because the next closest guy is Tom Brady, and I know Brady wants to TB12 wants to play till he's 45. He may have to because he's about 18,000 yards behind. Think it's unbelievable. That. You know what? So I'm okay. So okay. <laughs> Boy, it's like you teed me up on this one. I, I like Drew Brees. I love. I, I think Drew Brees. Here we go. Is tremendous. Okay. Here's the thing. So I'm watching a game. Uh, I was actually watching a game Monday night, and this is my fault more than it is Drew Brees or the NFL. Okay, but I'm watching a game Monday night with my son. We went out. We got some wings. Went to a great place in St. Pete, Engine Nine. Tremendous wing place. So we're, we're watching a game. We're watching a baseball game. Red Sox, Yankees, and we're watching the New Orleans games. And my son's more, admittedly, more of a baseball fan. He can tell you what Mookie Betts is hitting with runners in scoring position, but he's not as tuned in to football, but he follows it. And he turned to me, he goes, wait, Drew Brees is about to become the all-time leading (laughs) passer in NFL history? And I said, yes. He goes, what does that mean? It's like, what do they mean by all-time leading passer? I go, yards, babe. I go, most passing yards. He goes, Drew Brees. Tonight, he's going to do this. <laughs> and it, the record snuck up on me, too, Rick. I didn't even realize he was – I think I, I heard about it before the game, like kind of. But yeah. I didn't realize he was on top. But I start – so I start thinking about this more and more. And as I watch, they stopped the game, okay? And the guy's yeah, out there well, with the Hall of Fame and the, the white gloves. And it's like Pete Rose when Pete Rose won, like broke the, the uh, hit, hit all-time hits record. And they yeah. stopped the game and people come out and hugging him and everything. Mr. And then Baker, they give yeah. – okay, first off, now they give him a – a pamphlet or like yeah, a what, it was like piece a card. of paper. What the hell was that? I didn't get that. Like a you laminate. Can't laminate, hey, you can't laminate put, it and put some screws in it and put it on a piece of plywood. Well, and my whole like thing make was make like, it a plaque. Yeah, it's like what your kid gets for Citizen of the Month. I don't exactly <laughs> know what. I mean, that's the best you can do, and you hand it to him on the field. Like, I don't need this piece of laminate. What is this? It's like yeah. if somebody said to me, "Hey, Drew, call me after the game." He said, hey, "What's your number?" He would have turned that piece of paper around and written it on there. Like, that, what were you doing? Like, it's a piece of paper. Come on, that shows you again the record. But here's yeah. the thing, Rick. And I and look, the game is the game is the way it is. I get that. But you're telling me that if if offenses in Johnny Unitas zero or. Dan, Dan Marino, those guys would have thrown for a hundred thousand yards, wouldn't they? If if the game was played the way it was uh, played, no. He's a, I, I, I guess my point is, tell me where I'm wrong. That Drew Brees is a product. This record is a product of the era he plays in. Well, I mean, you're partially right. Obviously, passing numbers have have, have gone a little through the roof of late. Um, I don't know that it. I don't know that it minimizes. I mean, the thing is, you know, if that's true then they would have done what Drew Brees has done. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know they could throw for more than 6,000 yards a season. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. were they going to throw for 8,000 yards a season? Well, Dan Marino would have, you know, I, I don't know. He Dan Marino threw almost every down as it was. You know, was it harder to complete balls? Yeah, probably. Um, but he dropped back 50 times a game. So Yeah, they're, they're, that's you know, true. I, I mean, now you go back to the many, 70s with, like, you know, the, like the yeah. Bradshaw, United. But, you know, I heard, they I heard somebody say this. Sometimes. Somebody said this the other day. It's like, you know, all the players today are told by the players that were here when they got to the league that, oh, man, you guys are soft. You can't imagine what it was like 10 years ago. And then the guys that played 10 years ago were told, oh, man, you guys are so soft. You can't, really, you can't imagine what it was like to play in, in like, you know, back with, the, with Ditka 
and niche yeah, or my or Deacon Jones with like head slaps or yeah, and, or then, and, then, and then but then then we got to go all the way back to the guys that didn't wear helmets. How tough were they? Right. You know what I mean? I'm like, how far back do you want to go? I mean, the game evolves, and so you can't always say, well, they couldn't have held our job. I mean, no, right? Yeah, the game is different. Yeah, okay, it's different. Records are made to be broken. I don't know if he was going to break this, but I mean, you can only throw it so many times, and yeah, it is easier to complete the ball. Uh, definitely easier to, you know, you can't hit receivers and, and all that. Um, but it's still a hell of an accomplishment. The, the question it's, it's, is, where is he? Where? How big is this compared to everything else? Like, do you think of Drew Brees as a top, let's say, top five quarterback of all? That's time? a great question. That's a great question, and my answer is no, I don't, okay. and I don't know why necessarily because well, because you can name five us- better ones, right? Well, I'm, yeah, I guess, but I mean, what hasn't he done? He's thrown for more yards than anybody. He's won a Super Bowl, so it's not like he doesn't have a championship on his resume, right? Um, they're, They'll have the cons- touchdown record as well pretty soon. He's, he's right. pretty close, and to and they've that. been a consistently good football team over the last decade or yes, so. They they have. Have, you know, they're, they've been a, a playoff team. They've been to championship games. They've been they've been in the hunt. So, I mean, you if you were to put his resume up pretty i mean you could put it up with brett Favre. you could put it up with peyton manning in terms of numbers and champion just about like what brett Favre won one championship right I yes mean, he so, did um and longevity I, I, yeah longevity and uh the other thing rick that's amazing about this is that guy is a legitimate 510 uh, like yeah it's not like you know he's He's a he's a big guy. Like I mean, Brady's mm-hmm. a big guy. If you ever stood, you've stood next to Tom. Oh Brady. yeah, Tom's a big Tom guy. Brady's well, a big man. Breeze, you know? it, I was telling the story. Breeze walked. Remember, we were in New Orleans this year, and Breeze walked by us on the way to the elevator. Yeah. And he was going and it up. Looked to like the, a guy. Like I'm. I, like, I thought he dude, was going to go. He was like, "Are you the elevator guy or what?" That's like, what I thought. Like, I thought he would just worked at the Superdome I for a minute. I did too. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, wait a minute, that was Drew Brees. <laughs> but so, so I don't know. I don't think I'm a top five. But again, that's more on me probably than it is on him. I, I there's no if you were to just if we were to do the old blind test, you know, like they do with college football. Teams, yeah, you blind, do the numbers, blind yeah. resumes, and just look at resumes, and we can include championships and winning percentage and all that. Drew Brees, I'm sure, would be a top five quarterback, particularly yeah. because he's not even he's not close to being. Well, he's going to play what? How much longer? Another year. Maybe, well, I thought this year it would be two more years. I thought he'd play this year and next year, and then after that, I'm not sure. Um, so so maybe a, one he more still season. has a chance to tag on another 5,000 oh, yeah. yards or so to 6, his 6,000. He throws yeah, for 6,000 6, a year. Sure. So, um, yeah, I mean, maybe by the end of it we will look at him as a top. What makes his story greater than some of the others is, and you have Tom Brady, seventh-round pick, guy with Belichick, all of that. Of course, you know, Peyton and him have been together and you got the hurricane. But the bigger thing is how he came back from injury, and it's, it's so much fun to think about – him and Dante Culpepper in Miami with Nick Saban. And Saban and his medical staff or whomever made the decision deciding to go with Culpepper instead of Breeze. Can you imagine if Breeze and Saban had been the same combination? Um, well, first of all, Nick would have never been in Alabama because he would still be coaching the NFL, I think. That's right. You know, so it's, it's fun to think about. But, I mean, what he overcame on top of everything else. No, it's, that it's, a lot of the quarterbacks that we talked story. about didn't have to do that. Amazing. Okay, story. so uh, go ahead. I had one other. Th- I don't know if you. Uh, what are you? I hate to take no, over the podcast here, but so I think you should have a new uh, category once every week. A knucklehead of the week. Okay, the mm-hmm. name that you know the the, Chuck, the Charles Barker knucklehead of the week. Okay, I heard you talk about this on the podcast the other night, and you know how big I am on. Keep the football. When you have a chance to keep the football, keep right. the football. Right. So there were there were two incidents this past Sunday 
where quarterbacks or coaches had a decision, do we go for it on fourth down or do we punt it away? Sean McVay, after considering during a timeout that Pete Carroll had in a Seattle Rams game, decides to go for it. They keep the ball with a minute and a half left with the ball on their own side of the field, get the first down, keep the ball, run out the clock, win the game. And then you have Jason Garrett Sunday night against the Texans in overtime in Houston territory, decides to punt, never gets the ball back. Houston drives down, kicks a field goal. Okay, that's fine. You look at the numbers, maybe the, the percentage of winning the game didn't change drastically at that point. But here's the thing. So the next day, Jason Garrett says, yeah, I do the same thing all over again. You know what that makes you? A knucklehead. If you're going to do the same thing, <laughs> and you know the result. Knowing the result. Like, no, it's like, yeah, I, yeah, no, we, we made the right call. No, you didn't make the right call. You lost that's the right. game. That's right. So, I, t- I turn right at that stop sign again, even if that truck runs the red light. I do it again right. because that's how I drive. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> so, right. Wait a minute. You're dead. You're all dead. You can't, you yeah, can't do that right. again. I was right. I'm doing it again. No, that, I, I saw that quote in, in uh, Tuesday morning's Today, paper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. where, where uh, Jason Garrett's like, yeah, we, we made the right call on that. No, you didn't make the right call on that. We well, and furthermore, and furthermore, he had, he had you know, uh, I really believe, you know, I I'd hate to second guess Jason, but I th- I think we needed something right there to maybe go for it one more time, or maybe on now, your Jerry's down. getting I, way better, man. That's good. I know. That's but good. it's but it's like, wait a minute, you just did second guess him, like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to second guess. Yeah, hey, no disrespect, but yeah, whatever no, comes next yeah. is disrespectful. That's right. right. That's the Parcells. We call them Jack plays. No disrespect. Yeah, remember that. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. <laughs> yes. Jeez. Well, oh. the, I, I don't know. I, but again, that just goes to show you, Rick, if you have a chance to keep the football, keep the football. I, you know, I was watching that, that Penn State Ohio State game a couple weeks ago. Same thing, where everybody, everybody went crazy about the, the awful fourth down call when they didn't make when it was fourth and five and they ran the ball up the middle uh, like they needed a half an inch and didn't make it. And then Ohio State won. I actually had an issue before that when Penn State had a fourth and short and chance punted. to. And punted, yeah. and I'm like, man, when you have a chance to keep the football, I think you yeah. got to try to keep the football because your odds of really of picking up a half a yard or a yard, or in Dallas's case, it was almost two yards. I'll give him that. It was it was a, it was a long yard. Yeah, I still think your chance of winning the game there with five and a half minutes is to keep the football as opposed to trying to make a bunch of plays to stop Houston from driving the length of the field on you. So. Well, it's it's always comes down to, and coaches don't think. Although I think more guys are going for it on fourth down now. Um, you know, just being more aggressive in general. But I, I, I also, I mean, you work a hundred hours a week trying to prepare and win an NFL game, and people don't realize how hard it is to win a game. You know, as my mm-hmm. good friend John Gruden used to say, "Started to get a first down, man." You know what I mean? Started <laughs> to get a first down in this league, and and the thing is, um, it is hard. And so if, if you went. If the beginning and you can't do this, but if at the beginning of the week you got to remember, hey, we need less than a yard to win the game. Okay, that's all we need. We got one play less than a yard. Now, if on Monday when we're installing all this crap to get to this position, <laughs> would you have taken it? Hell sure. yes, hell yes. Let's go for it. 
It's really that simple. It's like, well, we can punt it and then try to play defense and hope that they don't. No, we need less than a yard to win the game. And then you go back to, you play to win the game. Win the well, game. there you go. go win they, the game. Jason Garrett was playing not to lose the other That's night. That's correct. I think that he wasn't playing to win the game. And here's the thing. Oh, so you trust your defense to stop the other team from going length of field, but you don't trust them enough to keep them from making two first downs, which is That's what it right. would have taken for Houston That's to get right. into field goal position the other day. Yeah, because so that, if, yeah. If, if, you, if you punt and they make two first downs, you're right where the ball was before you decided not to go for it. Exactly. You know, this is the other thing. It's like, you know, okay, well, they're either going to stop them or they're not. Like, have some faith in your football. And I think you can put confidence in your team when you do stuff like that. But that's why he's getting fired. The runner, by the way, runner-up for Knucklehead of the Week is uh, John Gruden. Did you see Gruden's quote the other day? Someone asked him, like, hey, John, you're not getting a whole lot of turnovers. Yeah, you got to get to the quarterback to get turnovers. You know, you got to get pressure. Uh, you, gotta get, and I'm uh, like, you had a guy, man. He says that stuff, and I can't believe he's that I, somebody, un- unaware. Somebody said he's trolling us now, right? I mean, he's absolutely trolling us. <laughs> he's got to be. I gotta have a pass rush, man. You know what I mean? It's hard to find a pass rush these days. You know I, mean, I mean, the next quote out of his mouth is gonna be, "You know, I wish we had a guy like Khalil Mack, man." Are you kidding me? Right? The, yeah, yeah. It's absolutely trolling at this point. I'm sure of it. So. Yeah. So, um, like, let me let me shift here to, uh, and I do want to get your thoughts on this because I want a prediction. In fact, I want to see it in print. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to. I'm goading you now. Yeah, I want right. a prediction. And I'll do I'll do the whole Michael Clayton thing. Tom, I need to know what is Jameis Winston gonna do on Sunday? And is he gonna take him to the Super Bowl? Forget the Super Bowl. Is is how does Jameis play? I wanna know. You got you got a few seconds to think about it, but I wanna know how you think he's going to play, not just Sunday, but for the remainder, assuming there's no injuries, for the remainder of the season. Does he does he turn it around? Does he make it obvious to everybody that he is the franchise quarterback? He is going to take this team to the promised land one day or something less than that? I think it's going to be something less than that, Rick. And I'll tell you where the problem is going to be. And I think I don't want to give too much away of what I think you're writing for later on this week. But here's the problem that I think Jameis and the Bucks are going to run into. And that is. I think the pressure on them to score almost every time they have the football is going to be overwhelming because this defense, I don't see it getting better. I think Matt Ryan, what's what's a team get during the course of a game? Maybe 11 possessions, something 11 like that? Or, or, or optimistically, 11 or 12, but that's, let's, yeah, not let's more say, than that. Let's say ever. the Atlanta Falcons get 12 possessions uh, next Sunday. If, you, if, if you're asking me right now how many of those possessions will they score on, mm-hmm. I would say at least half. Uh, okay. You would feel like okay, so that's six. So five so touchdowns and that's, so five yeah. touchdowns and a field goal. So now you're talking about thirty-eight points. Thirty-eight you know? points, I mean, really? Yeah, I mean that's wow. just minimum. That's minimum, right? I mean, Oof. so at that point, you feel like I think they're going to be. I think Jameis is going to be put in the same position he was put in a whole lot of weeks last year, mm-hmm. and that is you got to score. You got when you get the football, you got to score, and I think it it creates urgency. I think it it makes you abandon running games. I think it makes you force the ball into situations where you shouldn't be forcing the ball, and I. So I, what I'm saying is I don't. I don't think he's gonna. I think he's gonna play the way he's always played. He's gonna make some really great throws. There are gonna be some impressive drives. He's gonna make some mistakes, and I don't want to to uh, sort of uh, take the responsibility off of him. But I think part of it is off of him. I think it is this feeling that we got to score. We got the ball. We got to score because we're already down ten nothing. 
And if we mm-hmm. punt the ball back, we're going to be down 17 nothing. So I think that's what he's going to run into. I don't expect a whole lot this week in Atlanta, Rick, because as much as we could say he's worked hard and he, you know, he had he had the chance to come in the second half of the Chicago game, I still think there's going to be a little bit of rust there. I mean, it looked like his timing wasn't all there last Sunday against no. or the Sunday before against Chicago. Um, I think he'll look better. I think he'll play well at times, but not well at other times. And I, Rick, I, I think this is the big problem that the Bucks are going to run into all year long, is you're never going to know. No, you know, like you'll never absolutely know for certain. Yeah, let's commit to this guy long term. It's going to be a leap of faith when they decide to do it, if they decide to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it'll. I think Jameis is going to play well. Um, I think he'll play better than he did last year, or at least he'll play as well as he did the last half of last year. I think he's a better quarterback, and I think I think the years of experience is what he lacks. Um, but I will say he's not as great at this stage as I thought he would be. Um, and forgetting the off-the-field stuff, although that clearly affected him, you know, the start of this year. I but I I do see him I do see him getting better as a as a quarterback and. I'm anxious to see because I think people forget how, and I know it was preseason, and preseason is different, but he's just completing more footballs. He's just, he's just, you know, throwing the ball better, uh, taking what is there. Does he still have those lapses? I mean, that's kind of who he is. Ben Roethlisberger is going to the Hall of Fame doing that. Sure. Um, you know, so, so you kind of you got to pick your yeah, that, you got to yeah. pick your spots a little bit. But you you remember like you know Drew Brees is 39, you know Jameis is 24. Right. You can't put 15 years of experience into him, but what would he be in 15 years? Will we, I mean, we may be talking about him that way uh, if he can manage to to progress. But I'm I'm with you in that. I don't think their team is good enough. I don't think. I think it's it's way too lopsided on the offensive side of the ball. But you know what? Defenses are kind of that way in the NFL right now, anyway. And the teams that we're all talking about are who? Kansas City and the Rams. Well, the Rams have a fairly semblance of, of an all-pro defensive players. You know, I mean, they've got good personnel on that side of the ball. They're not stopping a lot of people. I mean, I just watched, you know, Seattle put 30-something on them. Um, so the game has changed, Rick. Like, the game like is different, and that's why ton, I don't think – in the last yeah. year or two even. Oh, it's unbelievable. You have to score 40 points a game. And that's and I, like I said, I, I don't want to give away your column for this week, but it, it is all about scoring points in this league now. And can yeah. you do it? Can you Can you outscore the other guy? And, I and I'm not, again, I'm not sure. And, you know, you mentioned something a minute ago, Rick, and this is something maybe to look at later down the line. And I know Jameis would never admit to it, but you do wonder if his development has sort of been, uh, has sort of been stifled a bit because of he's had, his energy's been occupied with other things. You know, you can't tell me that everything that's gone on off the field, uh, we, we sit there and we talk about how he compartmentalizes everything, but it's got to take up some of your energy. It's got to take up, and it's his own fault. Don't get me wrong. I'm not like I'm not you know I'm not trying to portray him as a victim here, yeah. but it's you know there he's been distracted. Certainly, it's it's had. Oh, he's been taken off the field. Sure, he's been taken off. I mean, you can organize all the workouts you want, you know, with guys that aren't in the NFL, and I think it's admirable what he did because he he tried to maintain the same sort of pace right. or schedule. It's not NFL football, and right. You know, no one's running like Deshaun Jackson or they'd be in the damn NFL. Okay, so, I mean, but, but what will be key, I think, for Jameis is, you know, because he talks a lot. You know, he says things. He said stuff like, you know, I got to earn my job back. And we know he didn't earn it back. It was given to him because he was a first-round pick or a number one right. overall pick. But 
will there come a point where the where the light bulb will go off? Is, has has he reached that point yet? Because I know he loves football, and I know he loves being a quarterback in an NFL team. And if he loves it enough, will there be a point where he shakes off all the bad influences in his life, whatever they are, uh, and realizes that you know what? In an instant, this is gone. All right. of it. The money, the fame, the ability to compete at this level, the guys in the locker room that he loves, all gone. Did he have any moments during those three weeks where he could not really be around his teammates that that, that happened? And if it did, you know, if if it did and he and he's and he's I know he's looked at himself in terms of a leader and some of the, you know, the shenanigans and the eating the fingers and all that. I know he's changed a lot of that. His temperament well, that is different. needs to change. But it has. I think it has. I think it has. I think I think that message, and I think it was good for him to kind of have to lead from behind and 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 be humbled and take the backup reps and try to make guys like you know Freddie Martino better because he could throw them open um, because that's what good quarterbacks do too. You know, Tom Brady gets crap for receivers every year and still goes to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, so so there are certain steps along the way, but with Jameis, it's going to be. We know he's going to compete hard, but like, does he value now? Does he look at the game different? Does he look at his future different? And I think he's always had urgency, but like, you know, what does that mean to to like his total his total vibe moving forward? Because he can be dynamic. We've seen him. We've seen him light light some people up. And if he can be consistent, that's the thing about Breeze and these guys. I mean, it's it's incredible. It's like we were saying this last night. You know, every game he plays. Raheem Morris told me this. Drew Brees is going to throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns. Think about that. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Go yeah, find yeah. me one. It's true. He's going to throw for 300 and, and three, and it'll go up from there. But you start every game knowing that you're getting three and three from Bruce, Drew Brees. Right. Can Jameis the thing, get there? The thing that I'm that Jameis, I think, when we watch the first three weeks of the season, and every every guy has to be who he is. You, your personality, you sure, can't change absolutely. your personality. And you're right. I don't think Tom Brady's the biggest, is the warmest, fuzziest guy in the world. No. I'm not sure that he's best buddies with the guys he plays with. In fact, I, you know, you hear stories about it. he's not, may, might not even be well liked, particularly by a lot of his teammates. Having said that, the one thing I noticed with Ryan Fitzpatrick during these, during the first three games of the season was just how relaxed everybody seemed, just how laid back. The vibe mm-hmm. was, and everybody mm-hmm. was having a good time. Now, when you're winning football games, that happens. Everything's everything's sure. great when you're winning football games. But wasn't I so good like, the first half in Chicago, though. They exactly, weren't too happy. That exactly. Day. But the, but I hope Jameis recognized there. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you. I don't know how you feel about Rick, but when I watch the Bucks sometimes with Jameis, there's this sense of like everything's just you know I'm all, <laughs> everything's like, on edge. You know? yeah, it's like, yeah, it's right, a little it's crazy time. Mile. It's a hundred miles an hour, and everybody's nervous, and, and it's like, calm down, man. Just take a take a breath, you know. Well, so that's you hope, ex- but maybe that's that comes experience. With, maybe that comes with maturity, yeah, and experience. I think right. Tom, I think it's experience. I heard um, Sean Salisbury of all people bringing names of the past that you no longer hear on radio, um, but Salisbury was on a, a show locally that I won't that I will not promote, um, and and he. For, and he for was a variety talk- of reasons. That's right. For for contractual reasons, number one. But he he, he was uh, he was talking about how when you watched Fitz, and this is true, and it's true of guys that have played a long time. Watch how little movement they like. They go up to the line of scrimmage, and you'd swear to God, and he chomped. You know, Fitz chomps on the gum, right? You have to gum yeah, going, yeah. like Mike Ditka. 
but he goes up the line of scrimmage, and there's almost like it's almost like is this guy is his heart beating like is he you know he's so <laughs> you know you watch the clock wind down and he's moving slow and he's kind of looking around he's kind of making a hand so you know what I mean like there's yeah, yeah. no there's no panic in him at all like you cannot tell whether this is a drill whether this is practice on a on a on a Wednesday or if this is the the final drive you know to win the game he has the same and the reason he has it is he's seen it all he's yeah. seen it all yeah. he has mm-hmm. all the answers to the test tom you know how it is when you when you come and try to do something at a high level for the first time you know it, it feels like things are going a thousand miles an hour and then the game slows down for you it was kind of like when you would go on the road for a month and a half to cover that damn hockey team and i had to solo at wdae <laughs> it was like everything was because uh, your mom the meatloaf all of that and then before long it slows down so i think that's the way it is with quarterbacking i think that you can't you can't get that unless you play like you can't get that unless you get all the experience and that's why the older quarterbacks that hang in there that can stay healthy um manage to be the ones that go to super bowls every year because they have all the answers to the test they just do well it was it was funny my son was asking me as we were talking about drew Brees as we were watching the game on monday night and he said so he said how did, why is a guy like that so good? And we, we talked it out, and we came to the conclusion that it was because he's that he is relaxed out there, and, he, and he's accurate. He throws the mm-hmm. ball where, where it's supposed to be thrown. You can be 5'10". And throw sure. well, that's the other thing that James is going to have to work on is his accuracy. That's obviously sure. any quarterback. That's that's the key to any But it's gotten better. And it looked better. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. It looked better. So we could sit there and talk about, well, training camps, training camps, preseason's preseason. Those games don't count. No one's yeah. throwing their great defenses out there. Having said that, the year before in preseason, he didn't look as good as he looked this preseason. No. So, no and they weren't running any special defenses last preseason either. So right. um, there there are signs that, that with – with age, with maturity, with experience, he is getting better. But yeah. I, I just, I'm telling you, Rick, I go back to this. You're going to get to the end of the year, and it's going to have to be, if you're going to bring him back, it's gonna, there's going to be a little bit of leap of faith. You're not going to know for sure. Well, they're going to know because the owners love him. He's coming back. I'll predict it. I don't think he'll play so poorly that they would ever consider getting rid of him. Um, when Dirk Cutter said that Jameis Winston will be here long after me, that was more about Jameis Winston than Dirk Cutter. It could have been a little I didn't bit like about that comment, story. by the way. Yeah, I'll, we'll talk. I, I know off the I didn't mean. We'll I talk mean, off the year. I did. I don't. I think I know what he meant. I wasn't going to make a big deal about it. Well, I, I mean, like, like yeah. even if you just do it from a longevity standpoint, I mean, Dirk is almost sixty years old. So if he coached ten more years, Jameis would just be thirty-four. That's true. Okay, so I mean, you know, how long is he going to coach? That's true. Um, you know, so there's that. But I, but you know. Um, yeah, the way, so. I like Dirk, man. I like Dirk, man. Did you, I wrote in the paper. I wanted to know that I wrote in the paper the other day. I said he was a good coach. It was in the paper. In the you newspaper. actually wrote those words? I actually wrote Dirk. Dirk Cutter's a good coach. Yeah, we had to do that overreaction, reaction thing. Remember oh, yeah, thing? yeah, yeah, yeah. And, huh. and it was like, should the Bucks start looking for a new coach? And you and I both were like, overreaction. Like, no, it's too early. And I said, I think Dirk Cutter's a good coach. A new head coach? Oh, yeah, that was one yeah. of the questions, wasn't it? Was yeah, one, no, yeah. That's, that's, that is way too early. And, uh, I mean, he's. It's not okay. I mean, I, we'll see. I mean, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, look. No, you're right. I mean, at the it's end of the day, five hundred. Like they under, keep yeah. they they give it. You know, coaches and quarterbacks get records attached to their names. They just do. So you know, I mean, to me, you got to win and you got to win consistently. And you know, until he does that, at this level anyway. I mean, I do think he knows football. God knows he knows a lot of football. Yeah. It just remains to be seen. Here's my final question. And I'll get you out on this one, Tommy. 
How many letters have you gotten from Buccaneers cheerleaders, past and present? You know what? No, uh, I got some cheerleaders. Some cheerleaders. I've gotten. Okay, so this is the weird thing. I wrote a column last week saying I think the NFL should get rid of cheerleading. It's sexist. Blah blah blah. They're athletes, and, Tom. They're athletes. Oh, they're, 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 I'm not. I wasn't criticizing them. Mm. But and at the high school and college level, I'm fine with it because it's. A, but you know, at the pro level, they had dance teams at the NBA and ring girls at UFC and boxing. But anyway, so the reaction I got probably got hundred emails, which is a you know, pretty sizable amount for a column. Um, more than more than most. Um, but out of the hundred, I would say seventy percent or so supported the idea. They they agreed with me. Really? Wow. Yeah, which was surprising. Was the, the number was higher than I thought it would be because usually the people who react to a, a column in, yeah. by writing an email are usually people who it means are angry that they're against it. I'm right. curious if you that's... agree with if you agree with somebody, you tend to just move on and like, oh, I'm not going to write them an email saying I agree with them. They, but this one now, of those seventy percent that agreed with me, how many were female? Uh, you know what? And it's a good question. I bet you it was a split. It was like 50-50. Like oh, I would, okay. All right. Yeah. That's surprising. Now, here, now, here's the odd thing. So of the 30% that disagreed with me, mm-hmm. um, so let's say th- 30 emails, of those 30 yeah. emails, I bet you 15 of those, half, were from women Yeah. who said, and they almost took the, the angle of, so let me get this right. You're looking at it as a man, like this is what men do, and so it's the women's fault. Let's 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 get rid of cheerleaders because you guys can't, can't control, control yourselves, yourselves looking at them. So they sort of turned it back on me. That, man, that that's it's, an interesting you know, take. It was an interesting take that I hadn't thought about, and I and I am not because you're a guy. Dis- well, yeah. and I'm not completely dismissing it. I don't know that right. they're wrong necessarily. Right. But right. it was it was odd that that like the half of the people who disagreed with me. Were women and some, mm-hmm. and there were a couple former cheerleaders in that mix. So I, I'm not going to win this argument. I know that it's <laughs> no, <laughs> it's not going to happen. You know, they're going to. You don't think they're going to ban cheerleaders? I don't think the they're going to ban cheerleaders throughout the year. But you which know, teams? Which teams don't have them? There's six of them. The only three that I know off the, the top of my head are uh, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and Chicago. Chicago used to have them. They called them the Honey Bears. The Honey Bears. Yeah. Right. When what's, I got a what, theory what, on what those was the, three what was teams. the owner Mikaski was the owner right? yeah mm-hmm. he died and his daughter took over and when his oh, daughter yeah. took over she Virginia. shut it down yeah uh-huh. she shut it down after that now the other theory I guess no Ben Roethlisberger is not listening to this podcast right somebody in our <laughs> office know. had a theory as why the Steelers don't have a <laughs> oh no falls, yeah had so to do with Big go. Ben yeah there you go I would say that cold weather probably plays a, a hand cold in that. weather yeah yeah do the that, Packers have cheerleaders. I don't. You know what? There, like I said, there are six who do not. I believe there are six who do not. Yeah, I, think I can't the Packers, remember them having them, but yeah, I, I don't remember that either. But um, when it's really cold, it's 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 hard to uh, it's hard to ask somebody to go out there and and do anything. The That's NFL has uh, now. There are. I've read. I did some research, obviously, before I wrote the column, and there are teams that have tried to get a little more conservative with their uniforms. In sure. Terms of the, you know the what, Bucks. What the the Bucks are one of those teams. Yeah, a little bit more conservative than it used to be. According so, to the internet, the Bears, Bills, Browns, Giants, Steelers, and Packers are the teams that do not. No, have that's all cold. That's the coldest four, six cities in the NFL, right? Yep. I, and, and, and there is a <laughs> that play outdoors. They're all outdoors, right? Yeah, and it, and it's too yes. it's too damn cold. Why would you ask? <laughs> first of all, who so they're would not being come good guys. They're not being like you know politically <laughs> well, correct. It's just like it's too. I mean, we don't want to get sued from somebody dying from frostbite. Is the giant? Yeah, well, the look, Giants don't have cheerleaders, but the Jets do. So. But look, if you're if you're if you're if, you're, if, you're, if, you're, if, you're, if your theory is that that it's eye candy and that's why teams do it and they want to dress them scantily, well, you can't do that when it's twenty below. 
That's true. Anyway, interesting column. Great conversation, as always. Tom Jones, read him, TampaBay.com. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks, Rick. You know, that, that whole where does uh, Drew Brees fit in sort of the, the, uh, you know, the pantheon of, of, uh, of great NFL quarterbacks? I, I, for me, I've been, I mean, anybody can cut this up any way they want to, and I didn't give this a ton of thought. But, I mean, off the top of my head, and some of this is based on, you know, how many rings they won, uh, but also how they played. But Tom Brady, let's, let's consider him the GOAT. For me, it's Montana. But that's just me. But I'll I'll say Brady Montana uh, or Montana Brady, uh, Joe Joe. Since I actually met him before, would probably kill me. So I'll say I'll say Montana, then Don Brady. Then I would say Manning and Favre, um, in some order there, and then uh, I think Dan Marino and John Elway, uh, d- depending on your flavor, belong in in the top. What would that be? That'd be five, right? Mm-hmm. So it'd be three. So that'd be Brady or Montana Brady. Uh, Manning, Favre, Marino, Elway, and then I would go with Breeze. I think he's, to me, he's after those guys, but before, you know, you mentioned. What about uh, a guy like Bradshaw, who's had four Super Bowls? Yeah, I mean, that's a tough one because he won four Super Bowls. And yet I don't think, when you go back and watch those teams, that Terry, you know, it it was a different era, and and I accept that. And I I know he won a lot of Super Bowls. Their defense seemed to win most of them. Um, Terry played pretty well, and he had Swan and Stallworth, but uh, also had. Franco Harris and you know Rocky Blyer and those guys. So uh, for pure quarterbacking, it, and certainly the in my lifetime, the ones that I've seen, I can't go back to you know Unitas and you know how far back do you want to go with all of that? But uh, Bart Starr. Um, but I would say of, of the guys that I've that I've seen, um, Breeze falls somewhere behind behind Marino and Elway. Where does he compare to like a, a Rivers or an Aaron Rodgers? Who are currently well, playing, and, and you know Rivers look, is a Hall uh, yeah, of Fame I mean, quarterback. Even I think Aaron, I think Aaron, I think Aaron Rodgers is probably probably going to go to the Hall of Fame. I mean, I I don't know. Um, you know, who was the other one you mentioned? Um, Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers is going to the Hall of Fame. I I think Breeze is better than Rivers, even though you know Rivers just didn't have the team success necessarily. His numbers though are crazy, mm-hmm. um, and he played he played on some teams that that weren't that good. But um, yeah, I I I just. Maybe it's because he's in San Diego. We don't see him all that much. I mean, I don't know. Or, or even a Carson Palmer, who the teams he went to were bad before he got there, were much better when he played, and then bad again when he left. Yeah. Well, I think Breeze is better than him, but Carson Palmer mm-hmm. is also a Hall of Famer, and people will disagree with that. But go go look and, and see what he did for those teams when he was there, with the exception of maybe Oakland. But um, those were horrible football teams, and he put up ridiculous numbers too. And they were um, much better and, and made some playoff appearances with him. And then once he left, they were bad again. They went straight to hell. Yeah, they were terrible after that. So it's always an interesting conversation. Everybody has their flavor of quarterback and how they judge him. You know, for years, Tom said that Manning didn't belong in the, in the conversation with the very top of the litter because he only won one Super Bowl. So then when he, you know, went one for 13 on third down and his defense won one in Denver, now suddenly Tom thought, Oh yeah, no man. He's won two Super Bowls. He's good. <laughs> well, shouldn't shouldn't Carson Wentz and Jared Goff already be in the top five? Not just yet. <laughs> Although some people act like they are. But Jared ba- Goff, Baker but Mayfield. Jared Goff, Baker Mayfield's there. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> all the all the flavors of the week. You know, Carson Wentz. Thing to see where some come on some of the new guys. I think Wentz is good, but we're oh, seeing no, what I, happens. I think, they're all, I think all these quarterbacks we're mentioning are good. The question is, can they? Yeah, I just. But I mean, it's isn't interesting that like a year ago he was an MVP candidate, and now, um, you know, doesn't quite have the same supporting cast necessarily around him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the offensive line isn't protecting him as well, and you know, all of a sudden Philadelphia looks mortal, and he does too. Well, Jared Goff was talked about as being a bust in his first year. Then he gets a new head coach, well, and Jeff now Fisher. he's a you know MVP. 
let's be honest. He had Jeff Fisher. Yeah. I mean, where's Mahomes? Jeff Fisher Come on, Mahomes got to be in what number three on the list, right behind Brady Mahomes and Montana. Is, Mahomes is right, yeah, right outside of Elway Marino right now. I think, and, and on his way to catching Breeze. <laughs> so, and then somewhere, somewhere, Jameis Winston falls into that list, but I don't, I'm not sure. It's way back in the pack. So anyway, interesting conversation. Hey, look, the Bucs are back to practice uh, today. They'll be uh, getting ready for their game Sunday at Atlanta. Desperate Atlanta team, one and four. Hey, Bucks we, for, we forgot one quarterback. Who's that? Tom Jones' boy, Ben Roethlisberger. Where's he fit on the list? Well, Big Ben's in there. Yeah, big. look, I'm, I'm a Big Ben guy. He's going to Hall of Fame, too. Yeah, he's – you can you can cut him up after Elway and ahead of Breeze, perhaps, if, you, if, he's, your, if he's your favorite. I mean, that won two Super Bowls. Uh, the first one, again, wasn't so much him, but – um, Ben's played a lot of years and thrown for a, a gazillion yards. So certainly he's in the conversation. I mean, again, all these guys are Hall of Fame quarterbacks. I think some of it has to do with where you grew up. So I did forget Ben. We'll put him in the he's in my top five, he's in my top ten. Um so yeah. But anyway, Bucks back at practice uh, at Atlanta. Lightning one day closer to playing uh their second game, which seems like a week and a half ago. I went to the opener and they're still not at played. They got the Canucks coming up and then the Blue Jackets on Saturday. And tomorrow, don't forget this, make an appointment, call the kids, wake the neighbors. On the big show, we have Times College football writer Matt Baker. You asked for him, now you're going to get him every week, whether you like it or not, and I like it a lot. Uh, he's going to get you ready for the college football weekend. Steve, me and you, I, I got mixed emotions this week. I mean, my wife went to Wisconsin, so we're, we're Badger fans. They're at Michigan. College game college day game is there. Days there. You know, it's under the lights. You know, lights. my good friend is Jim Harbaugh. I'm going to yes. drop names, but yes. I mean, Jim and I have swum together with our kids in Hawaii. So you, know, you didn't hard, swim with the manatees, did you? No, we didn't. But we could do that if he ever okay. comes to Tampa. I'm going to have him go swim at Captain Mike's. Swim with the manatees. Uh, make sure you go do that because it's it's sensational. But uh, so I don't I don't know how I feel about this game. This this game has no quarterbacks and two decent defenses. So. I think Shea Patterson's improving for Michigan. He's not great. He is. He's not, you know. Horny, Hornybrook, on the other hand, is just not very good. Right. Um, but they, they can run the ball. But two good de- Oh, they can run the ball. Um, yeah. Two good defenses, under the lights. A big game because both these teams already have one loss. They have to so win. So a second yeah. loss, and, you know, and both are pr- pr- presumably going to have to face Ohio State at some point. Michigan does at the end of the season. Wisconsin most sure. likely in the – Big Ten championship Big game. Big Ten so. championship if they get there, yeah. But they have to win this one to get there. Yes, they do. Although, I mean, the Big Ten West is pretty weak. Yeah, it's not great, but yeah. So it's, it's going to be a nice atmosphere, so we got that. So all of that coming up this week. Make sure you join us tomorrow. We're here Monday through Friday. And uh, our thanks to Tom Jones. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. For Steve Burstink, have a great Wednesday, everybody. 